This is Robotic Disclosure, the program that reveals everything you want to know about robotic surgery, robotic technology, and how to run a best practice robotic program for your hospital, your surgeons, and your patients. And now, here's your host, Josh Feldstein. Today we're speaking with Anthony Fernando, the Chief Operating and Technology Officer at Transenterics. He'll be talking to us about the Senhance Digital Laparoscopy System. Uh, what's interesting about the technology is the way in which it complements the overall robotic offering. Mr. Fernando has 15 years of experience driving global business growth through innovation for healthcare companies. And prior to his time with Transenterics, he was Vice President of Innovation and Technology within the International Group at Stryker Corporation. Anthony, it's great to have you today. Thank you, Josh. Glad to be here. We have a lot to talk about. The, uh, the Senhance Digital Laparoscopy System is something that many people are interested in learning more about. Can you give us an overview, Anthony, of the technology? Sure, Josh. So I think when we talk about the Senhance Digital Laparoscopy System, you know, we believe that our system complements complements the robotic offering uh, for many uh, hospitals. Uh, as you know, uh, the robotics market has been dominated by one robot for uh, almost 20 years, and we were the second robot to enter the market. Uh, and, and the reason uh, why we believe we complement is, I think, there's a need to right-size robotics uh, in the marketplace. And we believe that uh, given uh, our product offering that we are in a position to, to do that. Um, and the primary, one of the primary drivers uh, is the cost per procedure. Uh, we have significantly lower uh, cost per procedure uh, because we have reusable instruments. Uh, we don't count how many times the instrument is used. It's, again, very similar to laparoscopy. It's through inspection and satisfaction to the surgical staff. They continue to use the instruments. They're very familiar because they are uh, almost identical to standard laparoscopic uh, instruments. Majority of our instruments are standard 5-millimeter instruments, and then we also have 3-millimeter, which is uh, a smaller uh, instruments. Uh, some of the unique features to our digital laparoscopic platform uh, is eye tracking, where the surgeon is able to control the camera uh, using his or her eyes. Uh, with the gaze of an eye, uh, the surgeon is able to move the camera. So instead of just only using your left and right hand to control instruments, you can actually manipulate a third uh, robotic arm that uh, holds the camera simultaneously. Uh, so that's a big, uh, big benefit to, to most surgeons. Uh, also, haptic feedback. We are the first uh, in this category to offer uh, haptic feedback. So the surgeon, even though they're uh, sitting behind uh, a machine or robotic interface, uh, they can feel what the instrument is feeling. Um, in, in real time. Uh, so I think those are some of the features I would say that are applicable and kind of give us a differentiation. Uh, and also given that we're using a laparoscopic uh, technique and instrument set, we have very broad applicability 
in terms of procedures. I mean, we in the very first year uh, we were on the market, we were able to do you know thirty plus different types of procedures. Uh, so as a result, it's given the similarity of lap. Uh, it's pretty uh, uh, flexible that way. So, I mean, we are pretty excited with what we have, and and uh, you know, hoping to gain uh, further traction in in terms of. Uh, uh, procedures and uh, usage. Anthony, can you give us a little oversight in terms of the training process that uh, a surgeon needs to uh, go through to become comfortable with uh, the Senhan's system? Okay. So currently, uh, we, you know, primarily we work with uh, trained, experienced uh, laparoscopists. Uh, for a typical uh, training program, uh, it's approximately two to two and a half days uh, where we uh, provide an overview uh, of the system, all the different technology uh, aspects of it, uh, features, and we not only train the surgeon, but we also like in, at the same time to train the surgical staff and the surgical assistant who works with the surgeon, so they're familiar uh, with the system, and you get support bedside and, uh, and also at the console. Uh, you know, that's one aspect of training, and then immediately after we also do... Uh, 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 a wet lab, what we call an animal lab, uh, where the uh, surgeon gets uh, time on tissue uh, to be able to do certain exercises to ma- make sure uh, the surgeon's comfortable uh, with the system. And pretty much that, I mean, it's a pretty short uh, two, two and a half day uh, process and uh, the surgeon goes back to uh, using the system after that. Can you describe a little bit about the uh, Senhance's footprint uh, and uh, it appears that there are a number of units that are involved. How does that affect case complexity, if at all, Anthony? I think it, uh, we think it simplifies the complexity. Uh, yes, I agree. Uh, the footprint, it appears uh, large, uh, but when you put it in an OR, the most important space is the sterile field. And given the arms that are more like boom arms that come over and above and, and comes down, there's plenty of space around the patient for uh, whether it's a circulator or multiple uh, folks in the you know, assistant or even a second surgeon to uh, be by the patient. So there's good access to the patient, and, and we feel that we don't occupy the more critical space, uh, that being uh, the space around the patient. So uh, it, I, I agree with you, Josh, that it appears large, but I think it serves the purpose very well. Thank you for the clarification. Uh, along that same line, another question that maybe you can clarify for us is that when we look at docking multiple units, each with a, a base that needs to be moved from, from all sides of the patient, does this impact task complexity or efficiency or, or not? How, how would you address that? I think you don't because, I mean, again, all the, uh, you know, arms, all the four uh, manipulators are identical. And, and we don't have to move it from side to side because if there's enough reach, even if uh, you need to approach uh, the patient from uh, one side, uh, the arms have the reach to, to do that. That's one uh, aspect of it. Uh, the second aspect is we don't dock to the patient. So we use standard uh, laparoscopic uh, trocars that's been around for many years. So we can very simply 
take the instrument out and move the arm around if we need to move it and just put it back, uh, put the instrument back in uh, and, and very quickly get up and running. So moving instruments around, moving the patient, changing instruments, these are you know relatively simple the way the... Uh, the product is designed, it, it lends itself uh, very well to and, and gives us uh, the staff and, and uh, in, in the OR and the surgeons the flexibility to uh, move things around if they need to. Can you speak a little bit about the uh, thinner instrumentation, uh, the three millimeter uh, instrument, for example? Can you give us some insight in terms of uh, its design and, and how that's applied? Yeah. Sure. I mean, we are the first. Uh, to really introduce three millimeter instruments, and and we have a full suite of instruments in monopolar, bipolar, and passive. Uh, again, currently, you know, majority of the majority of the laparoscopic procedures are done using five millimeter uh, instruments, while the current robotic uh, system uses eight millimeter. So we've kind of stuck to five, and now we've gone down to three. Uh, the benefit of using three millimeter instruments is it's uh, less. It causes less incision trauma, and also the incision size is relatively small. So if you can think of a scenario where you're using uh, three millimeter instruments coupled with a five millimeter a camera or an endoscope, now it can be truly minimally invasive procedure, uh, especially, I mean, we've done some gynecology procedures and also some hernia repair, uh, general surgery procedures, and and we can very effectively uh, perform these uh, with with very little uh, invasiveness and and scarring after the procedure. The uh, system is being used both in the United States and in Europe now, correct? That's correct. That's correct. We we recently received. Uh, uh, approval in Japan as well, and I'm uh, I'm sure you know, but you know Japan's the second largest uh, robotics market in the world, and uh, we about in early July we got approval in Japan, and then uh, a few weeks ago we were able to obtain uh, reimbursement in Japan as well. So that'll be the third big geography that we will be uh, going after. There's going to be a lot of work, no question about that. Can you give us some perspective, uh, Anthony, on the views uh, of surgeons and administrators, uh, U.S., Europe, Asia, relative to the Senhans laparoscopic system? Are are, are they seeing the system differently in different uh, countries? I think, uh, I I would think so. I think, uh, you know, most of the countries outside the U.S. have been uh, very cost conscious when it comes to procedures and and certain hospitals even have set internal upper bounds for the number of procedures that they would like to do uh, using a robotic system within the department or within the hospital in order to contain cost so when when we've spoken to them there is definitely a very strong interest uh, because of the cost per procedure uh, and and then you know we kind of have to explain uh, you know how we are different in terms of cost and and benefit uh, uh, to the hospital uh, because you know when when a hospital has a robot already it becomes a much easier uh, conversation for us rather than a hospital that doesn't have a conversation but if they are already uh, uh, 
laparoscopic uh, majority, they have enough volume in laparoscopy, then again, it becomes easier for us to talk to them because we are not asking them to change their technique, but rather we are digitizing their uh, technique. So, in you know, different geographies, as I would say, the approach and, and the demand and, and what, what carries higher value is slightly different. So we, we kind of have to cater to that. Do, do you find that the conversation pivots on the uh, reduction of direct uh, instrument cost? In other words, removing the reposable cost from uh, the, the current uh, uh, Da Vinci technology and thinking just in terms of uh, 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 reusable instruments, as you had mentioned? Yeah, it, it is. A, I would say it's a it's a big driver and it's a a, a key a key decision point for most hospitals. And uh, uh, you know, and in Europe, as you know, they are quite they have an environmental concern as well. So I think, given uh, creating less waste, uh, that's also you know taken into consideration in 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 some. Uh, so as you continue to talk more about the the Senhans digital uh, lap system, do you find that uh, your your first uh, level of conversation is with administrators, uh, or do you find that it's surgeons who are uh, coming to learn more, and they in turn go back to administration to uh, to speak with them? Yeah, I mean, typically we start with the surgeons uh, because I think it's important to make sure that a, a clinical program can be put together using Senhans because the surgeons have to be convinced that they can take their uh, manual laparoscopy volume and uh, start performing that same procedure uh, using uh, the Senhans uh, system. So we, we, we start with the surgeons, get uh, support from the surgeons, but in, in parallel, uh, administration uh, comes into uh, the conversation. Uh, soon after. Typically, which service lines do you think make the most sense for institutions to look at first when they consider a Senhance? I think so. We have very broad applicability. I think um, you know general surgery, and I would say general surgery and uh, gynecology are two broad specialties that have really good applicability and you don't have to pick and choose saying, okay, this is a high reimburse procedure, therefore we can consider using a robot. I mean, that you don't have to ask that question given the cost profile, the per procedure cost profile. You know, you can pretty much justify doing most of your everyday procedures using uh, Senhans because it doesn't hurt the economics of the hospital. Let's talk a little bit about learning curves. So after the uh, surgeon has gone through the two or two and a half day uh, uh, introductory phase, uh, what is typically the learning curve uh, in your experience, Anthony, relative to getting to a point of uh, steady state relative to uh, in technology usage? Uh, what we've seen, Josh, is you know probably after about five or six procedures, uh, proctored procedures, the surgeons are pretty comfortable uh, doing uh, their own uh, cases. And I would say maybe when they get to about 20, somewhere in the low 20s, they really hit their stride and they are able to uh, most of the time get get very close to or even be at their uh, lap 
uh, lap times in terms of uh, the case uh, duration. So I think the first five Procter, they kind of get, uh, get familiar with the system uh, in use. And then when they get to about 20, they are kind of on their own, uh, you know, doing, doing really well. That's very interesting. Uh, that's a, a faster uh, learning curve, uh, as you are probably well aware. And I guess one of the other questions is adaptation uh, to the uh, 3D vision uh, involves glasses. Uh, and one question is, uh, it's, a, it's a very interesting looking technology, obviously. How do you find the, the, uh, the surgeons respond to the glasses, uh, Anthony? And when they are not looking at the screen, for example, looking at a patient from the surgeon console, does that in any way uh, affect or distort their, their vision? How do they adapt to that? I'm curious. So it doesn't distort normal vision. I mean, just basically, if you think about 3D glasses, they're basically polarized. Uh, polarized glasses where the left and right are polarized slightly differently. So when, when they can look anywhere with the glasses on, and it 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 uh, it, it behaves like a, a, a glass with slight tint in it, uh, but it, it doesn't distort any image. So uh, when they look at the monitor, they can see the 3D. Uh, image because it's uh, the two layers of the image get uh, uh, transmitted to the monitor. But when they look away, look look at the OR, look at the patient, they they see a normal, they get normal vision. There's no um, interruption or any distortion of that uh, vision. Haptic feedback. Let's talk a little bit more about that. You mentioned that at the beginning. Uh, describe to me the technology and and what the uh, surgeon experiences, please. So what we're doing is we are measuring the forces that the instrument is experiencing uh, inside the patient. And then we translate that and trans communicate that to the, to the handles of the surgeon console uh, and, and mimic that. So if, if the instrument tip is touching something and putting force on the instrument, then we reflect that and we make sure the surgeon feels that same force. So it's more of a, you know, kind of a force feedback uh, system. So most of the forces felt by the tip of the instrument uh, are trans, uh, uh, you know, communicated back to the surgeon uh, because the handles, if the instrument tip has some resistance, then the surgeon would also feel that resistance in the, in the handle. Uh, in trying to mimic, I mean, it's in, when you do uh, standard laparoscopy, traditional laparoscopy without using any robotic technology, uh, you would get that sense. So we, given our digital laparoscopy platform, we are trying to provide that same uh, sense of uh, touch uh, back to the back to the surgeon without taking taking that away. And, and I guess a parallel question to that has to do with ergonomics. Uh, how would you describe the comparison of ergonomics to traditional lap and or uh, robotics? I know you don't want to necessarily com compare, but I'm just curious. It's an obvious question. Er ergonomically, is it similar? I mean, compared to laparoscopy, it's a huge benefit uh, because I think if you've seen laparoscopy, it's. I mean, he put, get a surgeon has to be in a standing position and the arms, uh, you know, in very odd positions and where your 
you know, wrists and uh, elbows are, you know, way above your waistline for, for you know, several uh, hours at, at times, depending on the procedure. So the fact that you can sit comfortably instead of standing with your uh, elbows up in the air, um, sit comfortably, rest your elbows, and be able to perform the surgery, I think, it's a pretty big advantage ergonomically, I think, for shoulders, backs, etc., especially for, for lap surgeons. It's a big, big benefit compared to traditional laparoscopy. That's very helpful insight. We haven't talked at all about uh, any type of advanced instrumentation, uh, energy devices or staplers or anything. Is there anything that we should be thinking about in the context of this discussion today? Yeah. So currently, we do have... Uh, uh, ultrasonic uh, energy device on on the Senhance uh, platform. We launched it in the U.S. Uh, uh, early part of this year, and we've had it in Europe since since last year. So that's the uh, only advanced energy modality that we offer today. And I mean, as the platform grows and and uh, uh, gets further adoption, I mean, yeah, our intent is to expand into different energy modalities, stapling, like you mentioned. I mean, those are things of interest. Uh, but currently what we have on the market is an uh, ultrasonic uh, energy device. We've been speaking today with Anthony Fernando, the Chief Operating and Technology Officer at Transenterix. You've been listening to Robotic Disclosure. Robotic Disclosure is produced by Kava Robotics International helping hospitals create profitable, high-quality, best-practice robotic programs in the U.S. and around the world since 2011. Visit kava-robotics.com.